Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, Oxford University, and Kantar, the data insights and consulting company. In each episode, we speak to industry leaders about the big issues in marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. This episode... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It was recorded live at Can Lions in June 2019. I'm Jane Osler, Global Head of Media, Insights Division of Cantor. Our guest today is Nadine Dietz, who is Chief Community Officer of Adweek and also the host of their CMO Moves podcast. So welcome, Nadine. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I'm really interested about your job title. Um, The Chief Community Officer sounds like a really fascinating role. What does it mean? You know, I, I ask myself that same question every day, right? <laughs> it is a relatively new title, a new type of role, um, but it, it, it is actually exactly what it says. It, it's a chief community officer um, responsible for the community in terms of really listening to the community, understanding what it is that they are looking for, the kind of support that they need, the insights, the guidance, the type of stories they want to hear, who they want to hear from. I'm also, you know, exceptionally uh, focused on working with specific groups of marketers to understand at their particular career stage what is unique to them. Um, We host a number of series that are all dedicated to different parts of their journey. So it's how do you understand what they're looking for and how then we can come back and service that in the best way. And is this marketers of all levels in different organizations? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, the the best opportunities today are not only to learn from those who have already achieved great success, but to learn from the ones who are coming into the workforce because they have sometimes the most unique and novel concepts around what's happening and some really new thinking coming to the table that's going to change marketing yet again. Uh, A good example of that is uh, we have... Series across the range, but uh, CMO Moves obviously is a podcast that features the world's top CMOs and what it took for them to, to get to that, that place in their career um, and the real human side of, of what it takes to be a game-changing CMO, all the way to Gen ZEOs. Um, so not just any Gen Z, but those ZEOs that are technically CEOs of their own companies at 18, 19, 20, all the way up to 23 years old. And shockingly, some of these young marketers, this is their fifth or sixth business endeavor already. And the things that they are building are mind-blowing. I was just talking about it again today. Uh, The examples are, are, I could go on and on, but learning so much from that group as we speak. So you spend a lot of your time talking to people who are really trying to influence change in the marketing community and trying to bring a fresh view of marketing to consumers. 
And so you spend a lot of time talking to people who are doing stuff really differently. What is it that really defines a game-changing CMO from your point of view? Is it something deep within them or is it their qualifications? What it is about them that makes them special? Wow. Okay, that's, that's a really good question. Um, so I've interviewed about 80 CMOs on the show now. So I've got kind of a pretty solid working group, I'd say. I think the number one thing I see immediately that, that links all of them together is their passion for what they do and their willingness to not just do the, quote, status quo. Uh, they're always looking for innovation. They're always looking on how to improve. Not, I wouldn't even say their game. I would say to help improve the game of their team. How do I help uh, empower them? What tools do they need? How do we ensure that we're you know, always on top of the latest information, that we are working well, that we have a great ecosystem of partners that is bringing us also an outside perspective in? And then how are we looking up and down and across the organization to ensure that we have inclusivity for all so that w- when we do have these bright individuals on the team, no matter where they are, their voices are being heard? Okay, so I see your role. It sounds like it's a bit like you, you've done a, an amazing meta-analysis of all CMOs. <laughs> you've got it all in your head and you know what they're all like. So do you find that they have some other things in common? Like they're all not only passionate, but maybe really ambitious or smart? Um, or, you know, like those articles we read about what makes a successful CEO, for example, do they all spend their time doing yoga and silent retreats? <laughs> Is there anything else that they have in their character? It depends. I was um, chuckling earlier because I was remembering I wrote an article <laughs> once called The Secret Dreams of CMOs. And it was after my 16th episode. I always ask the same question at the end of every podcast. I always ask if money and talent were no object. And you took those off the table I- entirely. And you weren't doing what you were doing. What would you be doing? Mm. And it comes back to passion. I mean, when, when you hear what they would love to do outside of their role, it is so eye-opening. It reminds me every single time just how we're all just humans and we're all great people across the board. Anything from I want to be a chef or I want to be a pilot, I want to be a doctor, or I want to be a restaurant operating officer, or <laughs> you know, I want to write a screenplay. And you know, after I hear all these answers... I couldn't help it. I, I, this is the, the total geek in me, but it was Easter Sunday. Uh, I woke up and I thought, well, okay, what if all of these, at that time, 16 CMOs were actually living their secret dreams? <laughs> what would that look like if they came together this morning for brunch? So I wrote a, a piece called The Secret Dreams of CMOs and created a story uh, for each of these CMOs using their secret dream as their new profession. So You'll have to read it sometime. Let me know what you thought. But uh, <laughs> but in each of those answers, it was creativity and it was a passion for doing something that was not done already. It was for breaking new ground and continuing to explore new spaces. That's a really good um, jumping off point, actually, because I think marketing now generally you know, a lot of it hasn't been done before because the landscape, the media landscape and the consumer landscape is constantly shifting. There's a huge amount of creativity, you know, uh, the job may be directed at growth, mm-hmm. but actually everyone's making it up as they go along, really, aren't they? <laughs> um, sure, you could call it making it up, um, but I do think there is there is a method behind the madness. You know, and, and I love the fact that we're here in Cannes because it's all about celebrating creativity, but... I think sometimes people quickly misunderstand uh, that creativity is pure artistic talent. I think, you know, we've all heard the phrases chief 
magic officer, chief logic officer, a modern CMO, a performance CMO, and, you know, and at the end of the day, you need all that. And you just, I think the most talented CMOs are the ones who can look across all the things that are required to take a concept from beginning to end and assemble the right team behind it to make it happen and also empower it with the right technology and the insights. And I'm fortunate, I talk to many of those CMOs that have those those very strong capabilities and the ability to see across, not just uh, deep into one thing. So it's quite a renaissance kind of role, really, it sounds like. It certainly is, yes. <laughs> and so what's the most interesting or shocking or surprising story that you've heard from a CMO? Oh, wow, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, shocking. Well, we've had a lot of stories uh, that were shared. You know, I, in particular, I really like it when there's some debate around a topic in the industry. And everybody loves to form an opinion, and they should. That's their right. But when you start tackling really strong topics, such as the role of the CMO, or even when you think about the role of the CMO, not just even leading the marketing team, but how that fits in across the C-suite and their role in engaging their C-suite peers, I think what I've enjoyed the most is a clear vision from the CMOs that I've talked to and it's very consistent. And what shocks me is how much the industry continues to want to belabor and debate and often, sadly, poke holes or try to poke fun at the role of a CMO. And I find that to be very disrespectful because the role of a CMO is the most complicated in the entire C-suite. It is the hardest job on the planet. Um, and hence, it is not easy to define because it does include all those things, like you said, a renaissance role, it requires an exceptional broad array of skills. And most importantly, uh, it requires incredible leadership. Um, and, and those are really difficult skills to grow and attain, and they can only be done through lots and lots of practice. Yeah, so experience does count. Absolutely. So growth is a really big theme um, in marketing at the moment, and it's something that actually is quite a challenge in many industry categories. Um, and the other challenge, I think, is that you know, there's a lot of data around. There's, you know, there's a lot of data that marketers need to deal with and work out what's important and what isn't. So what are the game-changing CMOs doing about growth and data? How are they coping with all of this industry change? So, you know, it's interesting because um, I'm going to bring up a recent podcast that I just did because I think, to me, this was probably... I've had great conversations across the board with everybody about this and we've all heard the terms data you know analysis paralysis and big data and being overwhelmed and not really understanding what is actually going to move the needle um which you know i think that's hence a you know good support for why we need to innovate constantly and just keep trying and learning and not hold our breath and get everything ready for a big unveil that's going to come 18 months from now you can't, you can't do that anymore you got to go right so yes. you know test and learn test and learn test and learn all the way but do that you know, mindfully and do that with a, a, a good, strong plan in place so you can course correct quickly. But my, it, it was interesting because if you want to talk about how to deal with data, uh, I just had Janie Whiteside on the show. And Janie is the chief customer officer of Walmart. Um, Janie oversees product. Uh, she oversees customer. She oversees marketing. So the CMO, Barbara Messing, reports into Janie. And she oversees Jet. And... When we were talking about the role of data and, and customer science, customer care, customer analytics, 
I, I mean, she used a term. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We just have this you know, monumental amount, this lake of data. And, you know, she spends a good amount of her time and that team's time really trying to cipher through it all. And, I, you know, part of the podcast that I actually didn't air, so this is actually new for <laughs> anybody tuning in, uh, because we just, we simply, we had so much content we were covering, was around how they're using advanced text analytics to not just understand what's being said, but to go one step further to understand where is the true origin of the pain that they're hearing consumers share. And when you do that, you're peeling back the onion even further. I'll, and I stole that term from Simon Loudon, who's the president of PepsiCo uh, foods, global foods, but he, he was right too. You got to peel the onion back, and I think the biggest mistake is because of the first thing we talked about is this pressure to go, 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 innovate, test and learn, test and learn. Sometimes we have a tendency to do that too fast um, and not take a breath and say, "Oh, we're going to go test this thing." But does that even? I mean, just, there's no correlation. At some point, you start you lose yourself in your game if you don't constantly come back and, and reposition yourself and say, okay, does this really count? Is this something we should be spending time to evaluate? Oh, and I'll give you another one. This is really funny. Um, CMO Petco, uh, Tarek Hassan, he, he gave a lot of really great examples in his podcast um, about uh, green, yellow, red. We've all done the green, yellow, red, we'll call them workshopping or worksheets where, you know, what's working, what's, what's mm -hmm. not, uh, or, you know, what's okay and what's not. Yeah. And he says, we have a tendency to over fixate on the red sometimes. And just because the light bulb's important, you have to change it so you can see, is that the thing I want you spending your time on right now versus forget about that closet lamp and going out into the aisle and talking with your customer that might be in the yellow, um, but that's going to deliver more value right now than stopping and fixing this thing in the red. So it's always having that perspective. And I think that's what really differentiates what I would call visionary CMOs, those who can see past the noise. Um, and, and luckily, those are the CMOs that I interview on the show. Great. So it's about sort of, of focusing on what, what really matters. Correct. Which sounds... Um, like a good good segue to our, our next question, where you you were talking about peeling the onion earlier yeah. on, um, <laughs> peeling peeling back the onion of the CMOs that you interview. Do you think secretly? Do you think they really enjoy their jobs, or do you get the impression that some of them are stressed out and overwhelmed themselves? What what's are there any themes going on there? <laughs> do they even uh, admit it to you? 
Oh, you know, everybody has tough days, right? Yeah, I'm stressed out and overwhelmed <laughs> right now. Um, uh, so <laughs> I think, of course, I mean, when you look at the volume of responsibility on their shoulders, yeah. of course they're going to be stressed out. But they wouldn't be in the job if they didn't love what they did. One of my very first podcasts uh, was with Deborah Wall. And uh, you, you can just hear the sheer love of marketing in her voice when you listen to her podcast. And it is, it's, you know, there's a glamour to marketing. It's a beautiful function, you know. And, and when I say the word function, and it'll, there is art, science, and of course, you know, all those things have to come together. And there's a marketing function. But unfortunately, some people just get too caught up in the function. But that function enables the beauty. It enables the creativity and it's inspiring, you know. We j- it's marketing is still marketing. You just have new tools today that you got to put into the mix. So you say that it's just really that the tools have changed over the last few years. But how has the actual role of CMO changed in the last, say, ten to fifteen years, in your view? Well, you know, I I, I recently wrote a piece, and it kind of comes back to what we were talking about before. I, I get a little bit peeved, and I take it personally, and I probably shouldn't, but I do. <laughs> when people start trying to pick apart and poo-poo the role of the CMO. So two years ago, I authored the ANA CMO Talent Challenge Playbook, which had 30 of the world's top CMOs that we were trying to bring forward plays for other CMOs to leverage as they were championing their teams and really helping to build uh, their team's skills. And um, it's interesting because it, it... that would happen to be the last chapter. The first chapter starts with the credibility and the authenticity of the CMO themselves. Because to garner that type of credibility and investment for your teams, you have to be able to show that marketing is doing good for the company. And we all know that CMOs are charged with growth. Uh, that's, that's just, we've been talking about that now for I don't know how many years. And to do that, though, they have to earn the credibility. They have to, you know, have a, a very strong and solid equal seat at the C-suite, which many of them do. And they have to be working very mindfully and uh, proactively with their CFOs or CHROs across everything that they're trying to do. And it, it, is a, it is a team effort. And most importantly, the CEO has to buy into it all. So you make that case, and then the second step is really around how do you create an environment where if you are investing all this into, let's call it hard skill training, and I I would argue soft skill training needs a lot more help than hard skill these days, do they have an environment where they can actually apply those learnings? Because we all know in adult learning, if you're not reapplying or testing what you're learning, you're going to forget it. You're not going to remember it. Mm -hmm. And when you do practice, are you, you able to give them feedback? And oh, by the way, do they feel safe enough where they can try things and fail? And in a lot of cases, failing forward is a good thing. It's a, it's a great opportunity to, to make advancement. So it's fostering that culture of inclusivity, and inclusivity will drive innovation. And then how do you transform for innovation? And there's definitely a path and a journey, and I, I won't bore you all here, but then the last chapter is, okay, what do you need to train up, right? You know, and, and in this case, we, we had lots of great examples from Marie Goulamel, who was the CMO of L'Oreal at the time. She's now Calvin Klein. Um, Keith Weed, when he did uh, The Connected World, was his effort to educate 5,000 marketers, starting with his CEO down. And so, you know, there are a lot of great examples there. But... When we started to try to define the role of the CMO as step number one, it's everything, right? You're the chief brand officer. You're the chief 
marketing officer, you're the chief culture officer, you have to ensure that your team, your company understands what that brand vision is, as well as you are hopefully communicating to the outside world with your consumers. And what I think a lot of marketers do very, very, very well is they really understand their consumers. But in today's environment, with all this new thinking, all these new tools, you cannot be an expert in everything, and you have to create an environment where everyone can shine. So I feel like the biggest difference in the role today is the emphasis on people development on the inside. And that is a very unique position for the CMO because they have to work even that much more closely with their CHROs, especially around employer branding and communications and, and really being mindful of important topics around diversity and inclusion and talent development and being authentic about it. So I don't know if it was helpful or not, but I decided to pen an article a couple of weeks ago and I called it the uh, three people-centric shifts in the evolving role of CMO. And the three, I'll just summarize them, that I think we need to really think about is one, champion DNI, diversity and inclusion, not DNI lumped together, diversity yep. and comma inclusion, <laughs> yeah. right? They are different and that drives me crazy when people lump them together. Two is invest in talent development. It can only pay back at a 10x multiple. And then three is really embrace the creator revolution. And what I mean by that is we are having a radical shift in the marketing ecosystem today. And rather than us, brands, marketers, agencies, creating the content and pushing it out, it's the consumers who are creating the content. Whether you like it or not, you do not own your brand anymore. They own your brand. Mm -hmm. And so we have to focus, I think, less on how do we try to push content at them and really work on understanding them and enable them to tell the story of the brand in the way they want to. And you see a lot of new, like our Gen CEO group, some of the tools that they're creating are going to be those new tools. We've spoken to recently to a few influencers, some of whom are now not only an alternative way of, you know, the brand is using for marketing mm. to different kinds of audiences, but are also actually a feedback loop in themselves. First of all, what their followers are saying, but also the influencers themselves are starting to be involved and engaged in actual product and service development yes. and being asked to do much deeper collaborations than just the marketing that that's being discussed earlier so I think it's a really interesting shift so it's not just the feedback loop from the consumers but it's also the influencers and the marketing channels themselves so it's it's a very much it sounds to me like it's the marketing role has turned from a kind of more of a one-way broadcast you know maybe 15 years ago role into just one big feedback loop yeah it's it's, it's kind of like chief community officer there you go perfect <laughs> yes I wonder who's got that job okay so we're gonna wrap up now Nadine thank you so much that's been such a fascinating chat today um, but I really have to ask you this question um, which you said you asked all of your guests earlier <laughs> on so if money or talent or whatever was no object for you what would you do Okay, yeah, so thank you for asking me that. Actually, <laughs> nobody's asked me that yet because uh, I'm not usually in the hot seat, which, uh, <laughs> so it has been a hot seat over here. Thank you for uh, the, that. Um, you know, when I, uh, my whole life, I have been exceptionally passionate and torn, frankly, 
around uh, the fact that we have so much animal cruelty in this world. And it just pains me to the bone. I mean, I can't, I can hardly even watch programs because I get so infuriated about the way that people treat animals. And uh, it, it, I can't solve it alone. I have, uh, you know, when I was little, I volunteered everywhere. We, I, we're not even allowed to work. We can't get paid, but I volunteered at humane societies and kennels and uh, went to work in the pet store the first chance I could. And, you know, every, every when I was at the humane society, I used to bring every dog home with me and my mom would hear the front door open and she would say nope turn around take it back she didn't even have to look and see what it was so if money and talent were no object and forget the talent if I just had a lot of money I would do as much as I could to help these poor creatures uh, everywhere in the world give them a home give them love I mean all they care about is being our friend and just it just breaks my heart what we're doing to them Thank you so much for that insight. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Future Proof. For all episodes and more information, visit uk.cantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. Please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.